And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Uh, it's always a great day when we can have Nan Calvert back on the morning show. She, of course, is with Root Pike Wynn. And uh, she always uh, assembles for us a fine succession of interesting guests around various topics that are related to the well-being of the environment around us. And certainly she uh, has chosen uh, a topic today that I know is near and dear to her heart and, uh, and is actually a, a big part of the, the mission of Root Pike Win. And so I think before we introduce our guest, Cassandra Hoppe, um, Nan, I want to give you an opportunity to just restate for our listeners uh, the, the mission of Root Pike Win and how that folds into the topic that we're going to explore today. Well, thanks. Thanks, Greg. Good morning, everybody. Yes, so um, I know that many of our listeners are familiar with Root Pike Watershed Initiative Network. And of course, uh, we've been around for quite some time. Uh, years and years ago, we uh, started out uh, doing all kinds of things that included something that nowadays we would call green infrastructure, which is what we're going to talk about today, when we had our rain garden initiative. And of course, over the years, Root Pike Watershed Initiative Network has evolved into an organization that now um, finds and works on really big projects that impact water quality within the Root Pike Watershed. Um, and we work on stormwater runoff issues. And so our mission is to protect and restore the Root Pike watershed. Um, and so one of the ways uh, that is, it's not talked about very much, um, but it's really on the cutting edge of protecting our watershed is this idea of green infrastructure. It's been around for quite some time. I remember seeing a particularly interesting driveway, uh, probably, oh, I don't know, maybe in the late 80s or early 90s, that was made out of a lattice of cement. So that, uh, you know, there was, there was certainly hard structure there, there was hardscaping. There are a lot of spaces in between for rainwater and snow melt to infiltrate and also to have a little bit of green plants growing in those open spaces. Uh, certainly, green infrastructure has evolved since then, as hopefully most things do. Uh, and there are many, many opportunities for homeowners, landowners, business owners, municipalities to create green infrastructure that, that do a number of things. One, of course, is they, when done with native plant communities, they create habitat for all kinds of our native birds and animals and insects and amphibians and everything. Secondly, it has a direct impact on water quality issues because of the abilities of uh, native plants. And also it helps prevent flooding and controls erosion. Um, and so it really is the thing that we need to start thinking about now from the very get-go when, when we begin a process of building a neighborhood or um, a large building or putting in parking lots, or sidewalks, everything. So that's why I wanted Cassandra to be on today. Um, Root Pike Wind has worked with Stormwater um, Engineering Solutions in the past on different projects. One of the 
biggest and most recent ones is the regenerative stormwater conveyance system in Kenosha that Cassandra will talk about a little bit. But it, it's also more than that. It's not just big giant projects, but it can also be smaller projects that she's going to talk about. So that's why I wanted to have her on. We need to start thinking about this in our landscaping practices and our building practices, um, because again, it's all connected. Everything is connected. Very good. And uh, that is uh, one of of, of Nan's most frequent refrains and an important one, and I'm glad we can explore that uh, uh, today. So again, our, our very special guest today is uh, Cassandra Hoppe, who is with Stormwater Solutions Engineering uh, based in Milwaukee. Ahead of us talking to Cassandra, Nan, real quick, how did you initially connect with Cassandra? Was it because of Root Pike Win and uh, uh, collaborating with them on, uh, on, on uh, some projects? Yes, it is. Um, and also, most recently, I received an email form from Cassandra uh, talking about their storm gardens, G-U-A-D-R-E-N-S, and she's going to talk about that a little bit, hopefully, because it's a very new way to do a rain garden or a stormwater runoff garden uh, and, uh, that could uh, benefit a lot of people, actually. Very good. Well, Cassandra Hoppy, let's not keep our listeners waiting. It's great to have you on the morning show. Tell us, uh, first of all, where you are from originally and uh, what got you interested in the kind of engineering that you do as part of, of Stormwater Solutions Engineering. Absolutely, Greg. Good morning. Um, so as Greg mentioned, I'm Cassandra Hoppy. I'm a project and business development engineer for Stormwater Solutions Engineering. So I first started, um, you know, kind of getting interested in the engineering field in high school. My college guidance counselor was like, wow, you're strong in math and science. Like, let's get you set up for college in there. So I went to school at UW-Milwaukee for civil engineering, emphasizing in water resources and environmental engineering. It really wasn't until my senior classes where the talk of green infrastructure came up. So I was in a technical class and actually Carrie, the CEO and civil, um, the principal engineer for Stormwater Solutions came in and did a project background for the South Shore Beach parking lot project. Um, so for those who don't know, the South Shore Beach has been noted as one of the top beaches with a lot of bacteria. And there's been a lot of projects to you know lessen that amount there. So. She came in, did some background, and then our class got to work in groups for about a month and then present to her, you know, what we would do to remediate the parking lot's bacteria levels, um, including green infrastructure. So as I'm working through this, I knew right then and there that this was the kind of work I wanted to do with engineering. You know, it was exactly what I was looking for, something that was hands-on, something that was green, not just your traditional conventional stormwater system. So... Stormwater Solutions didn't have an opening right then and there because, you know, here I am, an eager college student asking her, do you have a position open? <laughs> um, but, you know, a year later, uh, a position opened, I applied, and since 2018, I've been working with Stormwater Solutions Engineering to design projects, primarily including green infrastructure. Fantastic. It probably would be helpful for our listeners to have a better understanding of what engineers do and specifically what civic engineers do uh, because i think that this kind of engineering is 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 a term we sort of throw around without necessarily fully grasping just 
uh, all of its sort of wide possibilities. Definitely. I mean, there's, you know, your classic broad blanket statement of engineers, we design and we build things, um, you know, we're tinkers. And then to specifically get into it, civil engineering has a lot of different realms. You know, you could be a transportation engineer that works on buildings, your roads, your highway systems. There's um, structural engineers, which are building your potentially bridges or your buildings. And then civil engineers in specific, um, you know, we're focusing more on the public work things. So that could be, uh, you know, it could be roads, it could be bridges, but it also is your system. So things that are networking together in your city, such as your stormwater areas. So in specific, stormwater solutions, we're the only stormwater focused engineering firm here in Wisconsin. And we're specialized in that civil engineering where we focus on flood management, water quality, drainage design, you know, integrated site design, um, that's including residential design and private site evaluations, and then stormwater inspection and maintenance. So we got to, you know, kind of choose our expertise and focus in on that. Very good. I want to be sure to give you a chance, and I'm afraid uh, we might run out of time and, and, and miss the opportunity, uh, to give you a chance to talk about something called engineers without borders and of course that that name uh sounds an awful lot like doctors without borders and i think a lot of our listeners have some sense of 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 what that group is all about tell us what the the mission is of engineers without borders absolutely so engineers without borders is a nationwide um, organization and it's all about volunteering um, and then designing and building of civil projects, or it could be just also community outreach as well. So I am a mentor for the Engineers Without Borders chapter at UW-Milwaukee, and our main focus is water systems. So bringing potable water to villages to use, you know, for drinking, for laundry, um, for their own usage of personal gardens and everything. So. What we really are focused on is lessening the impact that walking to retrieve your water in the morning has on a family. Um, and specifically the North, um, I believe it's the Northwestern Highlands of Guatemala. I had to think about geography for a second there. Um, so we're really, you know, trying to start with first the outreach with our in-country NGO and really just talk to the community and see, you know, what their needs are and what the asks are. And it's, it's a scary thought to think that people are waiting on a list to receive water still in our world. So here we are, you know, trying to just really help by fundraising as much as we can so then we can then design and implement these water systems. Majority of them are gravity fed. So it's finding a spring that's above the village and then designing a whole system with, you know, your classic PVC or metal pipes to just convey that water to the village. Um, and then, you know, Klexen, we kind of have as water towers here in the uh, United States, they have distribution tanks where water collects and then it gets spread out to the village in laterals, um, the technical term, but it's just, again, more pipes that are going to then tap stands for everybody. Um, so it's all about volunteering to just bring water to people because we honestly believe that there shouldn't still be people without water in our world. And it's just a humanitarian thing. Wow. 
And does this involve going to these places? Uh, yes. Because I, I could imagine how somebody at least theoretically could be involved in this kind of thing, but in a sense, quite remotely uh, in this day and age in which we live. But you're also talking in a sense about getting your, getting your, 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 your hands dirty and, yeah. and going to these places and, and on site making these kind of designs. Absolutely. So normally how it starts is we go a year before and we visit with the village um, and it's, it's somewhat combined. So in the same January timeframe, we're visiting a new village that we're going to be designing for for the next year, as well as implementing the design that we designed the last year. So, um, you know, we go down and we meet the village with our in-country coordinator and we're getting to because the biggest thing for, um, you know, any first world country to do would be to earn trust in any other area. Um, you know, making sure that we're not just another group coming in that's promising something that's never going to happen is, is really big. Um, so we go in, we have conversations. It's all either in the Mayan dialect, um, Ishil or Spanish. And then from there, it's um, learning about everything, going and talking specifically with separate groups within the community. So they kind of have their own governments, which is really interesting um, to, to learn about all of the different groups. Like there could be a water mayor in the village. There could be a school mayor um, and just learn, you know, really what they're wanting. And then from there, again, um, taking all the information back thinking about what they said, thinking about how we can make a design work based on where the spring was. Sometimes there's a lot of landowner issues um, where we go down and we talk to people at the time because we'll have to cut through someone's farm field to get this pipe all the way across and mm. things like that. Um, so we are getting our hands dirty. We definitely always joke that there's dirt everywhere. It's going to be in your ears, under your nails, in your mouth. So just get ready for it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's an amazing experience. It's not only, you know, readying our students and whether they're an engineer student or a global scholar student, it's not, you know, just readying them for the world. It's really readying them for their professions to have the humanitarian side and the passion for what they're doing. Wow. So had that in-field hands-on experience really is amazing going down there. I myself have traveled five times and obviously we couldn't this last year, but we still, you know, had our um, in-country coordinator down there calling us, telling us what's going on, still building the systems because we can't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's no reason why we should stop. Wow. How different does it feel to do that kind of work versus what I would assume is your primary focus much closer to home in, in cities like Milwaukee and Kenosha and Racine and, and so on? Right. You know, it's different as in it's, um, you know, I'm here on a computer majority. Um, we do bring computers down there as well to look the design, but, you know, it's, it's very similar to be honest. Um, you know, with my expertise specifically in stormwater, um, we almost kind of like to have it tailored to the client. So we're providing engineering, you know, from concept through construction, which is the same as Engineers Without Borders, even more so we do fundraising all the way through construction, which much like here, um, Stormwater Solutions Engineering, we can help clients with getting grants, which is a huge part of what we like to do to make sure that the client ready, readily is um, 
you know, ready to take it on and maintain it. We want to make sure that the green infrastructure will stay through the years. So, you know, we're really providing that engineering there to find their solutions as in the clients for all stormwater issues here. And then the same thing in Guatemala, making sure that we're finding their solution and not just what we would do because we want them to own it. And it's all about building capacity. Um, you know, especially in engineering here, when we get into green infrastructure, we're not just gonna offer that cookie cutter approach. Um, even more so, you know, it's really funny because I look at both mission statements of stormwater solutions engineering and engineers without borders, and I could not have been blessed with more of a similarity in them. Um, both believe that we have a responsibility to future generations to leave things better than what we found them. You know, we both believe that nature often provides us with the very best tools for managing water. So, you know, we're working to improve that built and natural environments within the communities through sustainable engineering and design. For those of you just joining us, uh, today is Nan Calvert's February visit to the morning show. And uh, with us today, Cassandra Hoppy, who is uh, a project engineer with Stormwater Solutions Engineering based in Milwaukee. And uh, they work with uh, a wide array of, of clients. And um, Cassandra, maybe you could give us a sense of just how wide an array of projects you are involved in and uh, to what extent you are working with businesses and uh, municipalities, governments versus uh, individual homeowners or neighborhoods or, I mean, just who sort of feels uh, the impact of what you do? Absolutely. You know, I think you really just touched on it all, quite honestly. Um, it could start from just working with a residential owner to, you know, talk to them and figure out how they should be managing stormwater on their site. It could build from there, you know, to be a small private business owner. It could be a large business owner. Um, there's also always municipalities, like you're saying, communities that we reach out to. And then there's also WSDOT projects, those big highway projects of doing drainage design on the side. It's, we really dabble our fingers in every single client we can. Um, we're also not just trying to be the top honcho engineer in all of them. We also, because we have the emphasis in stormwater, could be a sub-consultant on quite a few projects where our expertise is specifically just on the water side, which is really nice because that brings us to quite a few different big projects where maybe we would have not wanted to go after it because there was a lot of other engineering as far as structural, structural or um, in general, civil engineering. Nan mentioned uh, an intriguing project in Kenosha. And uh, so for the, especially for the sake of all of our Kenosha listeners hearing this conversation, tell us about this project that, uh, that Nan was referring to. Yes, of course. So we have in our office to back up a very special engineer. She got her PhD specifically in this type of field. So it's called a regenerative stormwater conveyance system. And essentially it's another green infrastructure method that can manage, treat and convey stormwater all in one footprint. So water is coming down and it almost looks like it would be a waterfall of different stone pools and the water is coming through and it's dissipating that energy in it as well as the water is flowing down in and there's subsurface infiltration so that's getting rid of you know the quantity the amount of water that could be coming down a side slope 
um, in specific for this one, there was a side slope on the side of a highway. So for that, you know, it's really taking all that water that's rushing off that concrete pavement and putting it through something that's going to slow the water down. And then with vegetation and a compost mixture in there, it's also taking the pollutants of all, you know, the fuels that are coming off of your car onto the road or any sort of pollutant bacteria that could be collected on there and putting it through the system to take those contaminants out. It's a great option for stabilization and working with slopes in general, but it can be also used on relatively flat areas to just help with the flow of water. Um, we've done two designs and as Nan mentioned, so with Root Pike Wynn, there is the Wistot KR area. So that's where I was talking about the highway. And then there's also the rec area. And I do know the KR for, or the RSC for the KR um, road will be built this summer. So many abbreviations there. <laughs> Just to go back, RSC is Regenerative Stormwater Conveyance System. Wow. And KR, of course, she's referring to the road, KR. Um, yes. It's essentially on the corner of uh, KR and Highway 31. I just wanted to pop in just for a moment, if I could, uh, just a couple of things. Uh, when you were talking about going to, to Guatemala and actually bringing clean, fresh water to people so they don't have to haul it, it, it makes me think of our own Joan Rory in our own community, who also has been going to Guatemala and Nicaragua, uh, working on those same kinds of projects. And I think it's very difficult for us to understand how life-changing it would be to suddenly have running water and you don't have to walk several miles and carry it back to your home every single day in buckets. You know, we go to the tap and we turn it on and there it is. It also made me think of the fact that when it rains here and the snow melts, um, we call it runoff, we call it storm water, and we treat it as a waste product. But it couldn't be anything further from the truth. That's our water. And we have traditionally, you know, just been, you know, conveying it someplace else, but we can't do that anymore. There's so much impervious surface now in our communities, rooftops, driveways, sidewalks, parking lots, roads, Part of the reason we're having so much flooding, but of course climate change is part of that equation as well. As Cassandra said, we have to get back to what nature has been doing in the very best way since time immemorial. And so now we have this RSC or regenerative stormwater conveyance system that's nothing more, it, I don't wanna say that it's nothing more than a native planting, it's far more than that, but you know, the, the workhorses of that, of that application are native plants, essentially. And the fact that you can slow the water down and your essentially velocity and volume are, are what creates all of our difficulties now with erosion and flooding and uh, watershed contamination. So, uh, you know, this, you can look at it as if it's not a new idea. It's been out there for millennia, but now we're figuring out, oh yes, we have to get back to this and how can we optimize it? How can we use it even better? So yeah, it's, it's just kind of mind boggling when you think about people in other countries where water is so ultimately precious and here we've been treating it as a waste product for such a long time. It's really, a, it's really something to think about and, and hopefully with you know, introducing green infrastructure projects 
big ones like RFC and smaller ones too, we can get back to the point where we let natural systems do what they're supposed to do. So Cassandra, this special project in Kenosha, uh, have these been constructed or they are just are they just designed and they are about to be constructed? So the KR project, um, that's by the highway, that one has been designed and will be constructed this summer. And then the REC project has been constructed. So if, if somebody wanted to see that, I mean, is it something that is easily seen? I mean, visible from the road? And, and if it is visible, if it's something that just a, a regular member of the public can actually see and, and to some extent understand, uh, where do they go to see this in action? <laughs> right. So you could see it. Um, you know, it's also one of those things where someone could just take it as it's there's rocks on the side of the road. There's vegetation on the side of the road. You know, it's it's nothing like looking at a pipe because it's not supposed to be. As Nan was just mentioning, mentioning it's it's really putting the systems back to being what nature has been doing for years. So what you're going to see would be pools of stone, so some boulders, and then lots of vegetation around it and within the pool. Um, you know, if I was to direct someone to go there, I would almost assume I'd have to give them a picture of where it is and what it looks like for them to look for it and point it out because it really is just taking it back to a natural vision um, to have there on the side of the road instead of a concrete flume, which would then be directing it into a big detention pond. So um, it's definitely viewable, but I would assume that it's one of those things, you know, where normally groups take someone on a bus and point something out like that is specifically <laughs> it right there. You know, it's, it's not a geyser. It's, it's right. not the Statue of Liberty, but it's right there. <laughs> right. And would this be an example of what on your website is talked about as integrated design, where part of the point of this is for it to, in a sense, meld in with all that is around it, as opposed to being something that stands out in the wrong sort of way? Absolutely. That is exactly what integrated design means for us. So, you know, it's all about, again, just bringing back things to the natural environment, such as, you know, the green infrastructure. It is a method of green infrastructure and, you know, green infrastructure is fully encompassing that variety of different water management practices, such as our native plantings, our regenerative stormwater conveyance systems. It could be a biofiltration basin, even as simple as a stormwater tree. Um, you know, and other measures that capture, filter, and then reduce that stormwater runoff. So it's just another way to have a cost-effective and resilient approach to managing water compared to the conventional um, systems such as your piping and your big detention ponds. So how is it that these two projects came into being? I mean, in a sense, I assume you didn't just charge down there and start doing this on your own, uh, that it, it was at the invitation of uh, of someone or from something or somebody, uh, who is in a sense the original instigator of this? I would almost have to let Nan take over that part of the question um, because I know Adrian worked with her um, for that. So she might best know the best answer for that. Um, so uh, to start out, I'll say this. What we do at Root Pike Watershed Initiative Network, or what Dave Giordano does at Root Pike Watershed Initiative Network, <clears throat> is find an opportunity for a project, and then he brings the people together that can get it done. 
So this was very much a collaborative effort between the Wisconsin DOT, uh, Kenosha, uh, and uh, Stormwater Solutions, all, all working on this. You can call them stakeholders, if you will. Certainly, all of us are stakeholders in this project um, because it impacts all of us in a very positive way. Um, and so it was very much um, a combined effort, a collaborative effort. Um, and I guess that we could say that certainly Dave Giordano was the point person for this project as he is in so many of the projects that go on in and around our watershed. Very good. So Cassandra Copy, how, how, does, how do most of the projects that you do uh, with stormwater solutions uh, engineering come about? I mean, is it, for instance, municipalities coming to you or, or uh, the chair of neighborhood organizations or individual homeowners, or are you seeking out these opportunities and beating the drum for uh, the kind of engineering that you do? I, I mean, I guess I, I, I want to have a clearer idea of, of, of how these projects come into being. And is it because of people like Dave Giordano and Nan Calvert and their counterparts in other communities that are drawing uh, attention to this need. Absolutely. You know, it's quite a mixture of everything that you just said. It could be as simple as a residential or maybe a condo association group coming to us saying, we've seen a lot of flooding issues in our, you know, in our condo group or around my house. And, you know, the first thing I Googled online or Yahoo'd or, you know, whatnot looked up was stormwater or a solution for stormwater and your name came up. Um, it's as easy as getting a phone call from someone like that to then us also, like you mentioned, you know, going out and seeking opportunities specifically related to what we're doing and what our focus is. You know, looking for a lot of RFPs within, um, there's the Milwaukee Metropolitan Sewage, Sewerage District up here, um, abbreviated MMSD. And looking online always at what they have coming out because they are 100% focused on really implementing a lot of green infrastructure and reducing that amount of water that's coming down to their wastewater systems. Um, it could be something as big as that. It could also be, you know, small municipalities coming to us saying we have a lot of grass medians and we've seen these, you know, different green infrastructure techniques such as a bioswale and we're wondering if, you know, that could happen to one of ours. So it honestly is just by word of mouth, it could be a happy client. Um, and they're telling, you know, another person that we helped them completely change their site design and it's for the better and it's helping the environment. It could be, you know, like this on the radio, you're hearing it and then you think, oh my gosh, you know what? I've had a lot of flooding. I live by a lake. I wonder if I could get one of these systems put onto my property. It's, it's honestly, it's just a good flow of information being transferred, whether it's from a client or from a person. If I could just uh, jump in here for a second, it's interesting because uh, within our municipalities, there are often codes and ordinances preventing the municipality or preventing a business or a homeowner from putting in green infrastructure, regardless of what it is, because a very old and outdated rules and regulations about the height of plants or even about the plant species that can be used. So for example, some of our municipalities 
still has a weed ordinance that says you can't plant milkweed because it's a noxious weed. Uh, and that came about when you know we were all very rural and milkweed can make cattle and horses uh, quite ill. Uh, but those times have changed quite a bit. And so what we have to do now is uh, work with municipalities to get those co codes and ordinances updated so that there aren't these barriers and speed bumps to putting in green infrastructure. Uh, and we're going to be working on a project with Clean Wisconsin on that very thing. Um, and hopefully we'll be hosting a webinar geared toward municipalities uh, so that they can you know, uncover these dusty old rules that don't apply anymore and, and you know, bring things up to date so that we can really get projects rocking and rolling. Hmm. Absolutely, you know, I would um, just add in, I know specifically stormwater solutions engineering here in Milwaukee, we have helped update quite a few different codes and regulations as far as um, making sure that green infrastructure is seen on those. And then there's also wording on maintenance and operation because that's the biggest thing that a lot of the unknown is, is once it goes in, how do you maintain it? What's the annual um, cleaning or what am I gonna have to replace after a few years? So we definitely have been helping with that um, for the city and also for MMSD's um, green infrastructure plan. I know quite a few other firms in the area, um, specifically R.A. Smith helped change the landscape codes here for Milwaukee to have a bit of a difference, including some green infrastructure. So it wasn't your classic 1970s rules about having a wire fence and you can't have these plants, you must have these trees kind of a feeling. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, taking this into the 21st century where it belongs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Cassandra Hoppe, uh, Nan mentioned earlier in the interview something about a, a revolutionary kind of rain garden. <laughs> and uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about that. And I'm, I am assuming that this is the kind of thing that might be something of, of great use to, for instance, uh, a homeowner, although maybe uh, applicable in, in other ways or in larger ways as well. But uh, what, what was Nan uh, talking about there? Absolutely. So Stormwater Solutions Engineering has a sister company called Storm Garden. And it's spelled storm and then guard as in G-U-A-R-D-E-N. So it's all about guarding, but also it's like a garden. Um, so essentially it's an attractive, low maintenance, rainfall integration solution. And what that means is um, there's a lot of pipes and downspouts that are disconnected in residential areas as um, in an urban setting. So your city areas. And by being able to dis disconnect that pipe um, in the gutter, you're allowing for the rain that's coming off your roof to then be infiltrating into your yard instead of going straight down into our sewer systems. So it is 100% for homeowners. There's quite a few around the Milwaukee area um, in the North Shore area as well. And I wish I could just show a picture to you guys, but <laughs> what it is is it's maybe a... a eight foot long wood box and your gutter is now running into it where there's a trough on top full of rocks and then the water's flowing off the side into boxes where there's planted media and that also has plants in it so that's allowing the filtration of pollutants from your roof to be coming into there and then from there it's a self-watering garden because the water goes underneath and part of the water stays 
while as the water is filling up in the troughs underneath, it is coming out in these small spigot holes on the side. And this whole system can equivalent to holding seven rain barrels. So that's 350 gallons of storage there. And it's really recharging the groundwater slowly instead of coming out of your you know, gutter like a fire hose. It's mm -hmm. coming out a small hole on the end to a gravel bed. It could even lead into a small rain garden if you have enough space as a homeowner. So it's you know that cost effective and simple solution to disconnecting your downspout, which is a huge mandate right now in Milwaukee. And then also just having something that's aesthetically pleasing on site. Um, some people don't like a big rain barrel and this is wood on the sides. And then you can also grow native plants. And we've had quite a few people growing vegetables and herbs in their storm garden, which has been really cool to see. Wow. Nan, is so, that something oh, you've seen okay. yourself? Uh, only in pictures at this point. Um, I, I hope to see one in real life. Uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a different take on a traditional rain garden. And so we have hundreds of rain gardens all over Racine and Kenosha County. And the traditional rain garden uh, is an engineered, if you will, bed. So the size of the bed is based on the square feet of your house and how much of that you want to drain into this rain garden. And then um, the rain garden is constructed in such a way so that the, the bed of the garden is flat and also level which are two different things. <laughs> and then it's planted with native plants and your downspout runs directly into the rain garden. And it's the same concept that Cassandra was talking about. It allows stormwater runoff, which is what we call what comes out of your downspout, uh, but it's really our water, uh, to drain into this rain garden and slowly infiltrate back down underground where it's supposed to go. And again, the, the workhorse of that whole thing are the native plants that are included in that garden. Rain, or traditional rain gardens are labor intensive to create because there's a lot of digging involved. And you know if you're um, not able to do that, but you want one, now you have this alternative. You, you have something that's raised up um, and you can still have native plants and or you can have a vegetable garden without the sort of backbreaking work that a traditional rain garden uh, sometimes tends to be in our area because we have heavy soil and it's, it's difficult to uh, dig and, and maneuver. Absolutely. You just hit all on what a storm garden is. It's a garden mixed with a rain garden mixed with the rain barrel. Cassandra Hoppy, of uh, all these exciting alternatives that we have been talking about, uh, do we need to be concerned about uh, these kind of projects being expensive? Uh, I mean, does it does it mean that uh, a municipality or a neighborhood or a homeowner needs to be prepared to shell out some money uh, to do things in a way that is better uh, than the more common uh more common practices, but uh, a better way that's also going to mean more money. And has that changed a little over time? I mean, are, are maybe some of these kinds of alternative engineering designs becoming, in a sense, more cost effective? Absolutely. I would definitely hit on your last point of they're becoming more readily available and more cost effective in that point because it's being used more. 
people are seeing that as now a first form, you know, front option instead of just your normal conventional system. Um, one of the big ones that's really been changing in price is pervious or porous pavement. So it's been seen as, you know, something different. And instead, now it's seen as something that might be the first option. So compared to your normal asphalt, somebody could be getting, um, you know, a pervious full driveway or even just a patch of their area. And that price is quite similar to asphalt in general. Oh. Um, I'd say, you know, also like you mentioned, just having things being implemented more, it's changing the price. And not even just that, there's a lot of programs and a lot of people out there who have to see this green infrastructure put in. There's quite a few different grants or even just funding programs that are helping match what you're paying or um, paying for a certain part of it as far as, you know, not just the actual product, but the design as well to make sure that it's done correctly because people want this in. So when people want it, they're trying to give you incentive to really be putting it in. Here in Milwaukee, we see quite a few different programs. And you know that's kind of what Root Pike Win also is about is that initiative to really be helping to get these things installed and make sure that it's in there. So I would say it's 100% becoming more cost-effective and by just the you know talking of it to people it's it's out there more and people are understanding it and then wanting it as well. Cassandra, can you talk a, a more about the options that people have for pervious services, please? Yeah, absolutely. So there's quite a few different products out there. So that's going to be your first thing of who you're going with. Um, but one of the most famous is uh, porous pavement, and that's where it almost looks like it's a brick. And then around those bricks are small openings where there's um, I guess very small chip aggregate, small gravel, where the water is flowing through that on the sides of that brick, then down underneath into a large stone base where water can store. And then there's eventually a small PVC pipe where if it's you know overloaded or just in case to get rid of you know any water amount during freeze and thaw events, to have that then go to our storm sewer system as the last area. Um, there's also pervious concrete, and that could be where it almost is a hardened spud, a hardened sponge, where the water directly goes right through that, and there's small crevices, and it's going all the way down again to a stone subbase. Um, there's quite a few different patterns, colors, um, different options out there, but in general, what it is is instead of your stormwater when it rains, landing on your asphalt or concrete, and then going to a sloped side where it's gonna to go to a gutter or just into your storm sewer system, where that water falls is where it's draining into. It's going down into the cracks and it's infiltrating into that stone storage subbase. So you're lessening the amount of water that's going directly into your storm sewer system, which then like we've talked about is helping, you know, our downstream area. It's, it's reducing, reducing the erosion and ultimately reducing habitats, property, and infrastructure damage from the amount of water coming through. Excellent. Yeah, and I just want to put a plug in again for native landscaping. Uh, native landscaping is green infrastructure. So if you can find a place on your property uh, somewhere, whether you're a homeowner or a business owner, <laughs> to install native plants, uh, you're 100% helping our difficulties with um, 
flooding and our contaminated um, lakes, rivers, and streams. So there, there are so many options for people who want to install green infrastructure. Uh, and um, we're going to be, I, I just should mention quickly, there's going to be a big native plant sale coming up pretty soon. The Root River Chapter of Wild Ones will be having their plant sale um, and it's open to the public. It's all pre-order. Um, and uh, so you should really take advantage of that. Uh, they have knowledgeable people there that can help you uh, select the right kinds of plants for your environment. And uh, so there are so many opportunities for people to, to introduce green infrastructure into their, their homeowners and businesses and uh, so many opportunities. Cassandra Hoppy, if people are uh, intrigued by anything that we have talked about and want to uh, explore it further, uh, what would be the best way for them to find out even more information about stormwater solutions uh, uh, engineering? Absolutely. You know, our website has quite a few information. It talks about who we are, why we do what we do, and then mentions quite a few different projects on there as well. So they can see the difference of, you know, residential versus municipality or business projects that we've done. There's also uh, quite a mention of projects where we won grants or funding for the project to be helping. So I think that's really a big thing for quite a few people is, again, what you mentioned is, is it cost effective? And can I put this on? Because it all sounds great. I want a habitat for butterflies and birds in my backyard. Natural native plants sound amazing, but is it something that's gonna be cost effective? And that's where you know our company really comes in and helps think about that to make sure that it is and then that it can be maintained and operated over the years. Mm. Um, and just with what Nan was saying about, you know, bringing that different native planting in and everything, I do want to hit on the difference in water quality, because we've talked a lot about reducing the amount and pollutants, um, but it is so true that, you know, stormwater runoff really carries pollutants and bacteria, heavy metals, and all that water that's rushing and carrying that, that is going directly into our lakes and our streams, especially here in the Midwest, it's directly going into that. Um, and one of the features of bioswale is a depression in the ground and then it has um, soil underneath that is reducing and containing those pollutants and native plants as well that's happening um, just to be in there. And one of the things that we are always hearing is why is that thing over there full of garbage? And oh, look at that. And I just want to hit on, it's doing its job. Mm -hmm. So what it's doing is actually collect, collecting that trash that was coming from your streets and from your sides. And it's sitting in there instead of going into your river. So that would be going through your storm system directly into your river or your lake. And the fact that it's working and that people are seeing that is I think a big point to say there needs to be more talk about it because Absolutely. yeah, it looks ugly for a day or two when there's a lot of garbage, but somebody will go out there and take that out. But I mean, instead it's doing its job and it's, it's really helping us. And I think that's a big takeaway is that there just needs to be more communication about it because it is one of those topics of people know it, but they don't fully know it. Right. I think our conversation has gone to a great extent to uh, help people understand some of the particulars behind the, these important issues. Cassandra Hoppy, who is a project engineer with Stormwater Solutions Engineering, it's been wonderful to meet you today. Thank you for being part of the morning show and for sharing all of this interesting information. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Greg. And thank you, Nan, as well.
Right. Oh, Dan, you're quite welcome. Thank you for, uh, for this wonderful idea and thank you for being part of the morning show. We'll see you in March. See you in March. Bye, everybody.